Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spurscast, episode 464. My name is Paul Garcia. I am the host of the Spurscast. Joining me this evening in studio is Colin Reed of ProjectSpurs.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Colin Reed PS. Colin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good, man. Uh, thanks for joining on. You were actually one of the. You were actually my first guest when I first took over the podcasting duties. I think this is like my sixth or seventh episode now. So you know, and I've got a few reps in my under my belt here. But you know, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, so Spurscast listeners, Colin and I will be uh, going through an assortment of topics. You know, the Spurs actually had a preseason game. They have some some more injury news, and then we're going to talk about a lot of things around the league that that kind of um, have a have a tracking point to the Spurs, uh, specifically about Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, Danny Green, uh, some quotes from from Monty Ginobili and Patty Mills as well, and then of course. Uh, toward the end of the podcast, Colin and I will answer your SpursCast questions that were used from Twitter, hashtag SpursCast. So our first topic was the Spurs' preseason game Monday um, at Sacramento. San Antonio lost that game 106-100. to Lamar, uh, Some of the standout players were LaMarcus Aldridge, 17 points in 15 minutes. Colin and I will get into a deeper discussion about Aldridge's game and his approach this coming season. Kyle Anderson uh, finishes with a pretty well average game of seven points and, and four rebounds in limited minutes. DeJounte Murray, you know, started at the point guard spot. It looks like that's going to be his job. Uh, Colin and I will get into that discussion about Murray. He finishes with nine points and three rebounds. Uh, Joffrey Laverne, new spur to the to the team, finishes with 10 points and, and three rebounds in just 10 minutes. And then uh, Davis Bertans didn't have a great shooting night, but he did grab six rebounds and played some pretty, pretty good defense. Um, and if you just want to check out way more details on that preseason game, I know it was hard to watch for a lot of people unless you were able to get some sort of feed or you went to the game in person. You can go to ProjectSpurs.com, and I have an article on there called um, Five Standouts from the Spurs' Preseason Loss. So go ahead and check that out if you want some more information on their preseason game. Their next one is coming up this Friday in San Antonio against the Sacramento Kings. Okay, so the, so the next topic we're going to jump to is the Kawhi uh, right quad injury. So on Saturday at the Spurs' scrimmage, the Spurs released a press statement saying um, Kawhi Leonard continues a rehab rehabilitation program for right quadriceps tendinopathy uh, out for, and he's out for the entire preseason. Um, they didn't put an ex- expectation on when he'll be back. Uh, most, most of us do assume though, you know, listening to pop that he should be back, you know, for the start of the season. Uh, Manu Ginobili mentioned that it's going to give some players that don't get a lot of shots, some, some opportunity to get, to get a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more confidence. But he obviously said it's t- it's tough for the team as a whole to come together because Kawhi's their focal point. So, so Colin, what do you think about Kawhi's injury? And, you know, are the Spurs going to be okay as they start the season if he comes back? Or, you know, how, how are you looking at this? Well, it's kind of tough. Uh, last season, they didn't do particularly well with him out. Um, we don't have a whole lot of sample size, but the, the game against the Grizzlies is one that comes to mind where they just couldn't score. Uh, and then obviously the series against the Warriors, but they're the Warriors. I do think that during the preseason that it might be for the better, because really the preseason isn't for players like Kawhi. It's good to get reps in, but it's more for the training camp guys and, 
And the Spurs really usually don't win preseason games anyway. So he wouldn't be playing very much anyway. Um, as long as they keep him healthy, I think that they should be fine. Yeah, I think if anything, it's just going to delay a little bit of that chemistry with the starters, especially with Murray. I think Murray's the biggest one. I think Aldridge, um, Pau Gasol, you know, Danny Green, those guys are okay without him. Manu, you know, off the bench, Patty Mills. They know his game already. They play with him for several years. Uh, but it's more Murray. Somebody who's new who's going to have a little bit more responsibility on offense. It would benefit for him to, to see Kawhi next to his side. Uh, Patty Mills had this quote on, on Wednesday at practice. He said, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So definitely, you know, even if he's not ready by week one of the season, they're not going to rush him, rush, him, rush him back because, you know, just you may slip a few games here but you need him there for for the long haul uh he's he's such an incremental piece for that team they basically don't go anywhere they don't have Kawhi, and you saw that like you mentioned against the warriors last year with as soon as he went down that series is over moving on let's talk about a little bit a little about lamarcus aldridge last friday aldridge had a uh, had an interview and he with the media and he had a few quotes here um he says that he's worked on his three ball he's been mentioning that a lot in pre- in, in, in training camp he says that he really wants to get back to his old confident self, the, the, the LaMarcus Aldridge you saw back in Portland. Uh, he says this year he's not he's coming in not second-guessing himself. I guess that's something that he did a lot. He was very hesitant with the ball in his hands at, at different possessions and different spots on the floor. Uh, he wants to be more dominant down low, he talked about. He even said that Pop specifically told him when the season ended to go home and work on your threes, like to really get out to that three-point line. Um, and then here's a quote that, that LaMarcus had, Colin. He said, uh, I, f- I feel like, I'm still able to play at that high level, be a top 10 to 15 guy in the league. He said he wants to be on the all-star team again. So before, before we start talking about LaMarcus and if he can even get to that top 10 to 15 level or even make it to the all-star team again, let's go ahead and talk, jump into some, some new news about the all-star team. Uh, the NBA released on Tuesday that the, the voting's going to change a little bit where you're still going to get all-stars, tw- um, 12, 12 all-stars from each conference, the East and West. But now the top vote getter, vote getters, the two top vote getters from the fans are going to be the call we call the t- team captains, and those two team captains will be able to pick um, from the group of twelve players and build their own, you know, of twenty four players and build um, two twelve man rosters. And basically, they don't care about the conference affiliation, um, but you know, they can still build those twelve man teams. Now, now going back to Aldridge, how this portrays to him or, or works with him, saying that he wants to be an all star again. Colin, let me just read you the the all stars from last season that are now in the Western Conference. Okay, so there was twenty five all stars last year. Here are the names that are in the West. Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Paul Millsap, Carmelo Anthony, Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, DeMarcus Cousins, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Marcus Gasol, and DeAndre Jordan. Okay, now, that's, uh, that's, do you think he would even be able to crack any of those guys and take their spot? Let's just talk about the current All-Stars. Well, I think it would, it would take a decline from some of those players. Um, I do think if, if he is that level, then the Spurs are doing way better than anyone had predicted because for him to play at that level would, would definitely be different. But, I mean, those are, those are some, some elite, elite level players. And I know that I think, I think that LaMarcus is better than some people have given him credit for over the past couple of years, but, but those are, are some of the best in the game. And a lot of them were in the East and they moved West and it just makes it tougher. Yeah, and that's the thing about this new fan voting. See, when I first saw it on Tuesday, I, I had thought that, oh, now All-Stars can be chosen from either conference. It doesn't matter. Well, no, that's not the case. Basically, you grab five players from the East and you're putting them in the Western Conference squad. And then he, here's the other problem is that the starters can only be three frontcourt players. So that's Aldridge right there. That's his camp. And last year, it was Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant. So I don't think he's bumping any of those guys. You know, Assuming they all stay healthy, they're going to be the starters again. Then the coaches can pick three All-Star frontcourt reserves. So last year, that was um, DeMarcus Cousins, Draymond Green, um, 
and you know Marcus saw, and then the coaches can throw two wild cards any position basically. And you know, let's just say they gave that last year to to, to DeAndre Jordan and then a guard. But this year, I mean, Paul George is here now joining that group. Paul Millsap's in there uh, joining that group, and I don't think Carmelo's an All Star anymore. Especially you know he's gonna have to sacrifice with um with OKC, and he he basically was a sub last year. He wasn't really an All Star. They kind of the NBA just kind of put him in there. But here's the players that can or that are basically with Aldridge in this camp of trying to crack the rotation. These are just big guys, okay? There's only eight spots basically for big guys. Blake Griffin probably gonna have a resurgence if he stays healthy. Carl Anthony Towns, if the Wolves are really good, they're supposed to be finished fifth in the West. Nikola Jokic. The Nuggets could finish seventh in the West. Uh, Rudy Gobert, now he's by himself. Maybe they give him more emphasis on, on the Jazz. They should they should um, possibly be, still be a playoff team. What if Andrew Wiggins takes that next leap? And then lastly, there's Aldridge. Okay, so, I mean, there's just it's not just Aldridge who would probably get snubbed. Even if the Spurs were second behind Golden State, I'm still not sure he gets in just because of the, the amount of talent that's out West. But, I mean, he'd, he'd really have to be putting up, like, you know, 20 and, what, like, like 12 maybe, like, consistently, and the Spurs would have to be second right behind the Warriors or, or first or something like that. What do you think? I think, uh, especially on the list of players that you just read off, the hardest one, I think, to beat out would be, um, of, like, newcomers, would be Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I think that, you know, the others are, are all very good players. I think that he actually, if the season goes, like, everything breaks right for him, uh, he, he might be in the conversation with those guys, but Carl Anthony Towns is on another level. It would take, the names I hear are, like, maybe... Mark Gasol needs to take a lot of time off to rehab something since he is getting older. Maybe the Pelican season is just awful and Anthony Davis gets in, but DeMarcus Cousins doesn't. It would take situations like that, I think, with the with the caliber of players in the West. Yeah, and I mean, Mark, for sure, I think, you know, if, if the Grizzlies are not even expected to make the playoffs, that they if they obviously have a bad season, I think, yeah, definitely he's, he's going to be left off of, you know, like you mentioned, Boogie. They're, um, and then, you know, even like somebody like Paul Millsap and Jokic, there has to be a, probably a... a um, a determination but you know if, if the Nuggets are a playoff team you know it looking like that come February that, that's definitely somebody they're going to put one of those players in the game so you know like we mentioned I mean there's still a chance for him but he's really going to have to elevate his game and and you know if, if Pop's working with him Pop did say that he wants to make him more comfortable this year in the offense you know really really um, emphasize him a little bit more and get him better spot make him more comfortable on offense so we'll see how that works out um, and if Aldridge can really get to that level um, we'll, we'll find out, you know, come, come February. And then, of course, the end of the season when, when we get the all-NBA teams that come out. Uh, still talking about Aldridge. Just talk, I'm just going to speak a little bit about his game, how he played against the Kings. Um, as I mentioned, he scored 17 points in just 15 minutes. He, he didn't play in the second half of that game, but he was just a monster in the first half. You know, Kawhi Leonard was out, Rudy Gay was out, and so was Tony Parker. But one thing I, I already noticed immediately was that he's way more comfortable shooting threes, whether it's spotting up, whether it's doing pick and pop, and he's actually floating around the three-point line more often. Last year, you know, and, and the year before with the Spurs, when he'd set a pick, he kind of hover around that mid-range area because you know that's his, that's his comfort zone. He would um, kind of just when he was off the ball, he'd kind of still stay in that mid-range area ready for the shot. Well, now he's completely comfortable stretching out to the three-point line, and that's obviously going to help them. Um, you know, what do you think just if he's out there most of the time, if like, let's say he doesn't have the ball in the low block or, you know, in a pick and pop situation, what do you think that's going to do for the Spurs on offense with him just at least floating out there? Kind of like what Palgas already does in Davis Bertans. It's, it's going to be huge. Um, I think that, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but especially to start the year, uh, if even if, especially if Kawhi misses any significant time, there's going to be a couple of non-shooters in the starting lineup and they're going to need that shooting. Um, so if Aldridge is providing it, that's going to help a lot because there's going to be a couple positions where they're not going to get that shooting. But as the year goes on, it helps anyway. Like The more shooters you have on the floor, the better, uh, especially from three, just to space the floor. It gives Kawhi more room to operate because he's efficient everywhere, You know whether it's the mid-range or close to the basket. 
uh, gives Kawhi probably more mismatches, but it also, I think, will help Aldridge's game because defenses can't just key off on him in one area of the court. Yeah, and I think um, I, I kind of mentioned this. I had John John Diaz on the on the uh, Spurs cast last week, and we we basically it wasn't John Diaz, it was Ben Bornstein, and we spoke about how how um, the versatility of Rudy Gay is really going to help in that aspect. As, as far as like they can put some lineups at almost every position, they're shooting all over the floor. Maybe Murray that might be the one weak spot, but he still needs to play just because defensively he's a longer player who can guard and switch on different positions. But yes, if, if Aldridge definitely, I agree with you. If Aldridge can get get out to that three point line and stay out there in his normal pick and pops and his normal um, you know spot up attempts, it's really going to help them. And and you know and and. Like I mentioned to to Ben last week, it's more about positioning. Who does who does Pop put on the floor with him when he when they want to go to him in the low block? Like the other day, he was um he was getting some post up opportunities really quick, just going straight to four down. They weren't hesitating. If they can do that and you know space out the floor well, he's going to be okay. I think this season improving his game and being more comfortable. The next player we're going to move on to is Danny Green. Um, last last Friday when he held his uh, media interview, he spoke about how he learned about being on the all defensive second team for the first time in his career. Um, well, first thing, one thing is Aldridge, LaMarcus Aldridge says that uh, Danny Green was long overdue as a defender to be, you know, respected and noticed for that for that award or that acknowledgement. Uh, he says that, you know, Danny defends one through four. He helps Kawhi guard elite scorers. Um, and then what's funny was that Danny Green says that Pop called him in the summer. And basically, when he saw the phone call coming from Pop, he didn't know if he was getting traded or if he was actually getting <laughs> selected for, you know, Pop actually surprised him that, hey, you're, you made the second team all defensive team keep working. And Green was like very shocked because he, you know, that was around the time when we, we heard all the LaMarcus rumors to Danny Green, you know, is Chris Paul coming to Spurs? Do they need to open up cap space for, you know, send him to Cleveland? There were some rumors out there. So, so that was one thing that, that kind of like, you know, made you laugh that Danny said that. Uh, but one thing about that Green that he did say lastly was that he does want to improve and make the first team um, all defensive team this year. So, Colin, I'm going to go ahead and read you who made the team last year and see if, if you think um, Green can bump some of these people from those spots. Uh, the guards last year were, were Chris Paul and Patrick Beverly. And on the second team were Tony Allen and Danny Green and Andre Robertson. Um, do you think he can he can bump? I think he really can bump one of those two guys. What do you think about that? I do. I think that Houston is going to be much improved on defense with with Chris Paul and with a couple other pieces that they added over the summer. But I do think that Houston's reputation of like a run and gun team, you know, they might have a lot of points scored against them, but they'll have a good defensive efficiency, and that might hurt them. So I think that that might kind of slip a little bit. I do think that the the Clippers also might kind. Of, I don't know what the Clippers are going to be. It's really hard to chart what they're going to be. So those two guys that got the top spot, I think, are both eligible to maybe slip. I think those are both awesome defenders, but they might slip out of that first team spot depending on how the year goes. And I think if that's the case, then it's then it's more than up for grabs for Danny. Yeah, I I think that he just needs to one obviously continue playing elite defense like he's like he has been doing all these years. You know, when, when Kawhi gets switched off onto the second, I mean, when, when there's a switch and a pick and roll, Danny's the guy who takes those players. Danny actually usually guards a lot more of the point guards like Chris Paul. He guards like Damian Lillard a lot of those nights. Uh, Russell Westbrook a lot of times, and Kawhi gets the bigger um you know guards or, or forwards. And if he continues to do that on his personal level, and then let's just say the Spurs, again, have one of the top you know, three defenses in the league. Last year they were number one. They can keep that position. Again, that's going to make his case that much stronger. Beverly obviously went to the Clippers, and you're right. I don't think they're going to be a great defensive team. There's actually, I was watching them preseason. They're really, they're really fun offensively. You know, with Milos Teodosic, with Beverly, with... Um, with uh, Blake and DeAndre, with G- Gallo, there's so much versatility, but they don't, they don't play any defense. I mean, you can already tell they're having some trouble there. <laughs> so I think that's definitely going to hurt Be- Beverly Stock, the fact that he's not on a good defensive team anymore. Um, 
uh, not not an elite defensive team as far as like top top ten. I don't well they would still might because they have DJ there, but you know definitely not top five. I don't think they'd be there. Uh, and then of course Chris Paul, like you mentioned, the, the Rockets can play so much running gun. I don't know if he's even going to get that many minutes that they have a lot of blowout nights, so that that might also help uh, his reputation slip a little bit. So I think it's definitely there for Green's taking to, to jump into one of those top two spots. So I think that's definitely um, – I think Green has a better case to make it as an all-NBA defender more than Aldridge has a case to make it as an all-star. Moving on to the next topic, let's just talk a little bit about DeJounte Murray. Um, for now, it kind of seems like he's going to have the starting job until Tony Parker gets back, you know, until the, the to, until like November or December. Uh, Danny Green on Friday last week said, uh, you know, he, he sees that Green's more patient coming into training camp here. Uh, he's getting the team in their sets. He's managing the game. And you can kind of see that, you know, on Monday against the Kings, he, he wasn't, you know, I, I read you his basic stats. He had like nine points, like, like three, three or four assists. And it's, it's just that he's trying to figure out that level of, when do I need to be a really aggressive, you know, me like like just grabbing a rebound and going coast to coast for it, getting really aggressive on attacking the rim? And when do I just kind of need to get Powell in his spot, get LaMarcus the ball in the post? I think that's his biggest um, his hurdle that he's going to have to work through this season, especially being the starting point guard. So what do you think about uh, DeJounte's second year? I think, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to start. I think that he got a lot of reps in the playoffs, which is really big for him. You know, he spent a lot of the year in Austin – uh, so it's maybe kind of hard to replicate NBA, like, you know, you're not going to be playing the Golden State Warriors uh, in the G League, but he did get that in the playoffs. <laughs> he played against the Rockets a couple times, and, uh, you know, the whole series against the Warriors, he was the starter, I think, maybe one or two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those teams both, you know, with <laughs> Steph Curry and with James Harden, they're going to put the opposing point guard through the ringer on one side, um, and then they both have good defensive options, uh, you know, whether it's Clay Thompson or, you know, the Rockets have a couple wings they can throw at point guards. So I think that he was able to kind of see some new looks. And then when he went to Summer League, I think that he wasn't going there to, like, kind of be the alpha, but more of, like, to try new things. And mm-hmm. I think maybe he's incorporated that into his game. Uh, so I think that patience is probably one of the biggest things because I know he was so eager getting in there last year. He really just wanted to make his mark. And so I think when the game slows down for him, he's going to become just that much more effective. Yeah, I mean, he has the athleticism. He has the tools. You know, I think the biggest thing for him to stay on the floor, obviously, is a defense. You know, he's he's a super long defender, 6'5". Those, those, you know, he has those long arms. Um, and, and that's kind of where he's got to work on his game the most. And that's really going to – Pop's going to, you know, have no choice but to leave on the floor for his de- – I mean, because if he can just kind of get it together and not be such a liability on offense, his defensively def- defensively can really go up there. And that, just imagine that, that a, a team with, like – Murray, Kawhi, Green, Rudy Gay, and Lamarcus. Like that's a really good long five that can stop. You know, can, can really switch on every single pick and roll, um, and those types of situations. Uh, moving on to the next topic is uh, Monte Ginobili had a few quotes on Wednesday at practice. Um, he spoke about how how he thinks that Rudy's Rudy. You know, none of the players. Kawhi mentioned this, and Pop kind of mentioned this a little bit, and even Rudy himself. They don't really know where Rudy's going to play just yet, because you know. Ideally, you do want him to play next to Kawhi. I think he's going to definitely play a lot of minutes next to Kawhi during the course of a game. But as far as like starting, uh, it's kind of hard to see where he's going to be, whether he's, gonna, he's just going to be Kawhi's kind of like immediate backup or if he's going to be like a, a four off the bench, which if he's a four, it gets interesting because Manu also had this quote of saying that Kyle Anderson's going to play a lot of four as well once Kawhi comes back from injury. You know, Kyle is actually starting at the three right now. He'll probably keep doing that for summer league. But then like there's like a little bit of logjam there. It's, it gets interesting that four spot during the course of a game because you have... Um, you have Rudy Gay, you have uh, Kyle Anderson, and you still have Davis Bertans, and all those guys you know, need minutes. So it's going to be interesting. What do you think about Rudy Gay, where they can put him, and, and things like that? So I know uh, a couple years ago, and I mean even today, but when the Heat kind of came together with LeBron and, and Wade and Bosh, 
positionless basketball kind of became a buzzword. Uh, and when I think of the bench, I kind of think of that, where maybe, you know, four would be like the technical position that Rudy Gay plays. But I can see a situation where, like, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gay, and Bertans are kind of all playing the same type of, you know, two positions, and they just kind of rotate around, and that being really effective for the bench, uh, you know, because that provides spacing, that provides length. I think you could have one at the three and the other at the four with any of the combination of those guys. Um, so I think that that might be the best option. Uh, I think that lineups with him at the three next to Manu and Patty, and then one of those guys at the four uh, would be really fun offensively. Um, so I, I think that, that it might be one of those kind of weird circular things. Yeah, and you know, for for me, when I look at the roster, it almost looks like they have too too many people. Honestly, like it's gonna. I think Pops gonna have the problem. With, you know, on, on rest nights that's fine, or, or nights when he just needs to play Manu a few minutes, or, or you know, or um, or Kawhi if you you know, no, he will play Kawhi a lot of it. But you know, one of the older guys like Pau Gasol, it's okay because they have the versatility now. It's more like when they have a good, healthy team and they they want to play a really good competitive game. It's gonna be hard for Pop, uh, Pop to find minutes because, like, I was looking at Brandon Paul's situation. He's gonna, it's gonna be really hard for him to crack the rotation behind. You know, if Manu's playing in a game, and if Kyle's now that that backup three to Kawhi or Rudy Gay is, it's, it's like it almost feels like it's gonna be interesting to see who ends up being like that that core nine or ten guys that Pop's gonna depend on pretty consistently because they have so many options. So, I, and you're right, it might just become positionless where you're not gonna see a traditional lineup with you know a traditional one or two or three or four or five. It may just be like three forwards or three big guys, and even though we think that of them as forwards altogether. Hey, they can all you know handle the rock. They can all attack the rim. They can all shoot threes, et cetera, Switch on defense. So that that is interesting that the Spurs are moving into that new wave of basketball that almost the entire NBA is uh, heading toward. Okay, Spurs Cast listeners, thank you again for listening to the Spurs Cast episode four hundred sixty four. My name is Paul Garcia. You're still listening with Colin Reed as, as the guest. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Colin Reed PS. The last segment of our show, we're going to go ahead and go into your, your um, Spurs Cast Twitter questions. So we always ask you to go onto Twitter. Use the hashtag SpursCast and send us any questions you have at the moment, and we'll try to answer them on the po- on the podcast each week. So our first question comes from uh, Twitter follower at Eli Alpha. They ask, "What do you think is going to be our killer five? When they say our, they're talking about the Spurs' killer five. I'm not on the team. You're not on the team. You know, but, but I know the fans like to say that our we kind of stuff. Um, they're small ball five question mark, and then uh, who are the players? Like, who do you think are their, their top five? You know, the games on the line." Let's say it's a small ball lineup against, you know, let's say it's the Warriors with, with their small ball five or the Cavs. Who do you think are the Spurs' top five guys to go to? You want to take this one first or me? Sure. Uh, I've been thinking about it for a little bit. I think we probably will end up having the same answer. Um, I think point guard will probably depend on matchup, but that's kind of the only one that's a little bit iffy for me. Uh, I would probably, at the end of the day, though, say Patty for the point guard, Patty Mills for the point guard, Danny Green as the two, uh, Kawhi out there as the three, Rudy Gay as the four, and then Aldridge at the five. Okay, I, I I have that exact same lineup except for one spot, the point guard spot. Mm-hmm. I'm going a little bit non-traditional. I'm going with Manu Ginobili at the at the at the one, uh, and just because of this fact, he's a, obviously he's 40 years old. He's old. He's an old dude. <laughs> But he can still play defense, you know, for a possession when you need, you know, you saw in the playoffs when he had to switch on to James Harden for, for a key possession. He ends up getting that block on him. I think it was in game five or something in the playoffs. You know, you're not going to ask him to guard, the, you're not going to ask him to guard Russell Westbrook for an entire 48 minutes. But if you can get him to discard him for a possession or two and then on a switch, you know, Danny Green, that's his main option. You're OK there. That, that, that lineup of Manu, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Rudy Gay, Aldridge, all of them can switch one through five. Aldridge will have a little bit of trouble, but he's okay you know, when he's locked in. And then offensively, they're all shooters. You know, you have no weak spots on the on the lineup. I would, obviously, if, if Murray makes that growth, I would like to see Murray as that spot because he's even more 
active defensively. He has so much length on defense. That, that, that's just insane to have that much length. That's obviously if he lives up to potential and gets you know really good in this year, this first year. The Patty thing and Parker, let's just say Parker's ready. Let's just say this question assumes Parker's back. I still think both of those guys are liabilities, and, and that opposing offense will target those two and try to get them in a, in a mismatch to break apart the Spurs' defense. I think with Manu, you have a really good you know structure of all five guys can switch and not be a liability at any end of the floor on either side. Uh, thank you, at Eli Alpha, for that question. Our next question comes from at Dan DeLion. They ask, which teams throughout the league do you think the Spurs match up with particularly well against defensively? So, Colin, before I let you answer this question, I'm going to give you just, we're just going to go through the top five teams in the East and West, okay? And we're going to more, more, more so focus on just on their top, their starting five, you know, who we think or their, their crunch time guys. Um, out West, let's just say the Warriors. You'd have Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, uh, Andre Godala, and Draymond Green. Do you think the Spurs match up well with them defensively? Uh, not particularly, no. <laughs> um, that, that's the tough one because it's, it's like pick your poison. You're going to have to leave someone open. Uh, we had kind of talked about this before. The Spurs are going to have, you know, maybe even three or four really good defenders out there. You know, Aldridge has really bought into the team defense, uh, but there's always going to be one spot where it's a little bit weaker, and the Warriors will always find that one spot. Um, I think that the Spurs' strength is to be able to go big or small. And uh, again, the Warriors really don't care. The Warriors don't care if you rebound well against them because they'll just be scoring so many points against you that it makes it a tough matchup for the Spurs. I think, you know, I, I liked what they did a couple years ago. They weren't able to do as much last year because of the Kawhi injury where they put Kawhi on Draymond Green so they can switch on to the guards when that pick and roll is set. But otherwise, it just presents so many matchup problems. Okay, uh, I, I agree with you as well. I think it's just the fact that they have four all-stars. Like, there's like not one, and even Iguodala, he's not an all-star, but he's a guy who can who can still create. He's obviously, you're going to back off him as a shooter from the three, but he can still create on his own on the pick and roll. He can attack the basket, get other people open. And it, it, it's like, I think the Spurs' top three guys, let's say they're locked in, they're healthy. It's, it's, it's a Kawhi, Danny Green, and Rudy Gay. They're the versatile guys who can all switch on a different positions. And let's just say you start, you start off with Danny on Curry, Kawhi on um, Kevin Durant, and Rudy you know, on either Draymond Green or, or Clay Thompson. But then it's like, who's that extra guy? There's actually one all-star still floating out there, and who do they guard? I think it, it's honestly, to me, I think it's the Warriors who are just the one team that they don't match up with defensively. Because then let's just go through a few of the other rosters. I think they're okay against every single team. They can find a good defensive combination to stop these teams. You know, Chris Paul and James Harden, they can solve that, you know, a little bit with Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard and then a a, a good defensive scheme. Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony. Again, if you have uh, Rudy, Danny, and... um, and Kawhi, you're okay there. You know, all three of those guys can match up with one of those guys. Minnesota, Jimmy Butler and, and Carl Anthony Towns. What do you think about the, the big guys, though? We don't have, there's not a lot of big guys in the league, but what do you think about a team like Minnesota? What about this matchup? Ready? Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Taj Gibson, and Carl Anthony Towns. Just because of how well Aldridge has kind of bought into the team defense, which has like been probably his biggest success since coming to San Antonio, I think for someone to give the Spurs trouble, uh, they would have to have two really proficient bigs. So maybe like the Pelicans. Um, but I think just one, you know, Towns is going to get his points. But I do think that with the way Aldridge has bought into the team defense, you know, just one dominant big man uh, would still be a good matchup for the Spurs. Yeah, I, I would vote obviously in favor of the Spurs too on this one because, you know, again, they can set, they, they'd have Aldridge, they'd have Gasol, they'd have um, 
uh, who's the other big guy? Joffrey Laverne to throw it to throw at Towns for throughout the course of a game, and of course their their scheme will 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 allow them to help out. They'll have they'll allow Kawhi to help and Danny Green to uh, you know get in there, and get some steals, and really and really just set up a really good team scheme. It's hard to, to play post up offense this day in the NBA. Get isolations um, on the East. You know you have Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Morris, and uh, Al Horford. They should be okay there, right? Like they can switch. Yeah. Any any wing dominant like team or or point guard dominant team is is going to match up well with the Spurs defensively when they only have one and not the other. Yeah, I kind of agree. Same thing for the Cavs, same thing with the you know the Wizards and the Raptors. Those teams, the Spurs are going to be okay just because they have, you know, they're like one of the, the, the biggest thing for the Spurs is that they have Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green next to each other. I mean, that's enough right there just to, to stop almost every team except probably the Warriors. And then again, you throw in Rudy Gay, if he's healthy and he's locked in, you know, he can be he can be one of those guys who has the versatility and, you know, they've all talked about this, the players, the ability to help them get even better defensively if, they're, if they can stay healthy. Um, thank you at Dan DeLine for that question. Next up is from at Gamesta1. Uh, they ask, thoughts on Patty Mills looking like an all-star? This was, this question came the day after the Spurs' um, um, uh, exhibition game where they played each other, the scrimmage game in San Antonio. I wouldn't say that Patty Mills looked like an all-star. He looked good. Obviously, it was, it was just one practice against each other. But, you know, he did look more comfortable as far as his role. It looks like he's definitely locked into being the backup point guard. You know, having that role could become still staying as a spark off the bench on both ends of the floor. Uh, I really like how he's able to come off the screen and just right away pop that pop that three-pointer. Um, what do you think about Patty? You know, Patty has always played with a lot of confidence. And when the shots are falling and when you play with confidence, I think it, it looks like that. It looks like someone who's just kind of dominating the game on offense. And I think that he is someone that can draw a lot of gravity to himself. Um, you know, in terms of, like, being a top player in the league, I don't think he'll get enough minutes. I think the Spurs have so many point guards, he'll kind of be lost in this giant guard rotation that the Spurs have. But I do think that what he brings on offense is incredibly important to the Spurs bench, which is part of the reason why I'm glad he's staying on the bench. Because I think he's kind of the piece that makes all of that work so well. Yeah, him him and Monty together. That's obviously their role. They want to keep that, you know, they, they're, they're obviously the core. And that's the reason why over the years, the last like four or five years, the Spurs have been one of the top bench units in both passing and scoring. Uh, continue with at games to one's question. They also asked, what big will the Spurs keep? So um, just looking at the candidates here, I don't think, I, I mean, obviously, the, I think they're just going to keep the guys that are on guaranteed contracts. Let me just read you their front court rotation right now that they have. They have LaMarcus Aldridge, guaranteed contract. Davis Bertans, guaranteed, guaranteed contract. Pau Gasol, guaranteed contract. Joffrey Laverne, guaranteed contract. And then Matt Costello, two-way contract, which is basically guaranteed. And then the new the new player is um, um, Amita Brima. He played in the preseason game. You know, he's athletic, super energetic for a lot of athleticism, can, can kind of go up for an alley-oop or, or go up and get some rebounds. A very energetic player, can kind of switch a little bit. But do you think he earns a spot over Brent Forbes and they wave somebody just to sign him? I don't, I don't think they do. I don't think so either. I think that the Spurs really value corporate knowledge. And Bryn Forbes has been there for a year, so he has that kind of advantage there. And not just that, but you know, I don't think Bryn is going to be maybe one of the high rotation guys, but he is looking a lot more confident. He had a great summer league, and it kind of has looked like it's filled over. He's still shooting pretty well from what I've seen. So I, I think that it would, it would take a big change for Bryn to not have that spot for a while. Okay, and then uh, this uh, at games to one. Uh, his question continues with uh, feedback on Rudy Gay's agility and how Pop was using him. 
Um, to me, he's ready for a ship, which is a, a championship. Um, you know, we kind of talked about Rudy Gay already, already so we're not going to kind of go in any more into this. Uh, just, you know, we, we obviously talked about how he's versatile, how the Spurs got to figure out where they're going to put him. You know, does he does he start, does he come off the bench? What, what units does he play with? Um, one thing I was impressed by was his passing ability. You know, he was bringing the ball down the floor. I only saw him in that scrimmage uh, already kicking out to outlets. He, he does that, that um, good to great type of pass where he might have a three open, but he throws it even, throws one more pass over to get somebody else even greater shot that Pop always talks about the good to great passing. So it'll be interesting to see how Pop uses Rudy Gay. Our next question, uh, this one's a little bit tougher to read as far as the Twitter handle. So I'm going to try this. At Furs Alsh Emery one, you know, that's the Twitter handle. Uh, they ask, any chance to sign Rodney Stuckey? He's a great fit for the Spurs' rotation. Um, I, I he's he is a free agent. You're you're right with that question, but I don't think the Spurs are going to sign him just because they have a, a, a lot of a lot of guards right now. They got to get rid of some of those guards because they can't keep more than 15 guys on the roster. So let me just read you, Colin, their their um their their guard rotation, and then you know let me know your thoughts on Stucky. They have Dejounte Murray, Patty Mills, Derek White, uh, Tony Parker, Danny Green, Manu Ginobili, Brandon Paul. Those are all the players on guaranteed contracts. Then on non-guaranteed contracts, you have London Perantis and Bryn Forbes. So do you think there's any chance they wave again, they would wave Forbes and sign um, Rodney Stuckey? So I know we had kind of just talked about waving Bryn for a big, and we said that it wouldn't happen. But I feel like if they were going to wave Bryn at all, it'd be for a wing or for a big. They just have so many guards. I feel like they're maybe a little bit light on bigs right now. I mean, obviously, it'd have to be the right one to come along for that to happen. But I just think that they have so many guards on their roster right now that it's hard to see them uh, waving one of them to sign another one who might not be able to even crack the rotation just with the guards that they already have. Yeah, so so yeah, so we both in agreement they wouldn't get Roddy Stuckey. He's a veteran, you know, I don't think he's going to, you know, he would beat out any of those other guys for their, for their minutes. So he, I don't know if, if he'd be a great addition for them. Going back to that, even though this isn't really on the script, I do want to talk about that. I, 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 there's two camps here right now with Spurs fans, as far as or Spurs Spurs listeners, or what I've heard complaints. There's the camp of like like my camp from from looking at them, their roster is that there's not enough minutes in the front court at all. I just don't think there is. Like we talked about, Rudy Gay, Kyle Anderson, Davis Bertans, Joffrey Laverne, Pau Gasol, Lamarcus, six guys. How are they going to get minutes for all these guys? But then you have that camp of saying. They don't have enough size. They don't have enough size. Where, where do you fall in this debate? Because I kind of feel like if we're if it's the old school NBA with two bigs, you know, outside of the Pelicans who have Boogie and and cousin and um and Davis, not a lot of teams even have two bigs anymore. They're almost like you know they're, they're almost like a dime breed as far as like those traditional two um, twin towers type of, of format and rotation. A lot of those teams just don't exist anymore. Everyone's going small. So where do you fall in that in that debate of the Spurs are, are, are low on bigs or the Spurs have too many as far as like tr- new newer era bigs? So I think it's probably one of those things where you kind of get stuck at assuming one thing. I, I've seen the Spurs just play big for so long and just want them to play small and come to that. Just because it, it's fun basketball to watch, it's modern, um, it's kind of where the league is going. But just to kind of see them hesitate on it for so long and stay big. And so this summer I was thinking like, okay, where is that other traditional big? And it never came and that confused me. But it was one of those things It was just like, because I was so stuck on how I thought the Spurs were kind of stuck in their ways in terms of just rolling out two traditional bigs, that I, I wasn't thinking of the lineup in that way. I would prefer them to, to run small as much as they need to. So I, I think that the front court, you know, they probably would prefer to have another traditional big on there, but I, I do think that the roster they have allows them to play the modern game. And I, I think that... 
that that type of guy who who you're used to that third or fourth big on the roster, you know, like the Bobons, the Aaron Baines guys, those guys are now Matt Costello, the new G League contract. So basically, you know, Powell goes down with an injury and needs some rest, or or Lamarcus, or you know, one of the starting guys, or Joffrey Laverne. Then all you say is, okay, Matt, we have 45 days with you. You can come in and you can you can you can play the center position. He's more of a traditional center, very energetic, has a big body, can you know pass, rebound, not a great scorer. You know, one of those more traditional bigs that you're used to with the Spurs. So I think that's where they're kind of implementing that new G League contract. Is you're going to see what is with Matt Costello is a really good option there. Oh, speaking of uh, Rodney Stuckey, uh, they still have Darren Hilliard in the G League as well on that new two way contract. So that's another guard we could add to the roster there. Next question. Um, this one comes from at Spurs in the Six. They ask, uh, when is at M. DeLeon? For those of you who don't know whose Twitter handle is, that's Michael DeLeon, the founder of Project Spurs. Uh, when is he going to make an appearance on the Spurs cast? So I'll just take this one real quick. Uh, honestly, listeners, Mike can uh, make his appearance anytime he wants. He has the full authority. He, he basically started our site for us. So he has like he can basically record his own episode and, and just bring it out one day, uh, episode 467. I mean, 465 if he wanted to. But uh, honestly, I'll just give you a brief history on, on the Spurs cast host, how it came out came about Mike was actually the first host he started the Spurs cast uh, so he's actually been doing this for a while but even way before me years before me so Mike was our original host and he and Jeff Garcia started doing it together uh, then we had a guy named Kyle Baynitz come into, into action and take over then we had Aaron Prime come in recently we had Ryan McCallum and now it's gone on to me so we've had about you know five, five to six people here take over but Mike is actually the original person who started this this Spurs cast so it's obviously it's incredible that all these years it's still going on going strong so thank you all for listening over the years and, and those of you that have been listening since day one you'll know that Mike was definitely on the Spurs cast and you know he can definitely come on and ever talk to him so if you ever wants to come on we'll always have him on whenever he wants to um, the last question from our Spurs cast listeners is from at Ken Ham 23 they ask which pick will Kawhi Leonard be in the NBA All-Star game and will he be a captain so this one's a little bit interesting too because uh, you know I went through the All Star game last year as far as like the voting went. Remember, it comes from the fans, fifty percent of the vote, twenty five percent from the media, and twenty five percent from the players. And the two top candidates from East and West last year were Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Do you think, let's just say, Kawhi's healthy, LeBron's healthy, and Kevin Durant's healthy? Do you think Kawhi jumps either of those two in the fan popularity? Remember, this is judged by the fans, the captains, not the not the media or the players. I think just because those guys have kind of been like the faces that the league has pushed promotionally, it would be tough. Um, I know there's the stories last year of how maybe the Twitter voting was was kind of, you know, retweets were coming from suspicious places. I mean, any time a situation like that, maybe. But I do think in terms of, like, strict fan popularity, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the faces of the league. And, and Kawhi is becoming that, but in terms of, like, what the league uses to push itself for growth... It's hard to top those guys, I think. Yeah, and I mean, those are basically, they're probably going to be the two top teams. You know, Cleveland may not be, but obviously LeBron's still the face of the East. You know, no one's, he's basically the king over there because no one's dethroned him all these years since uh, since Cleveland, then to Miami. Uh, and then KD, you know, you were expecting the Warriors again to be number one. And then KD, as much as he didn't have a great summer uh, publicly, like, you know, he had the thing about the, why he was, what did he do? He made a separate Twitter account and was making fun of the Thunder. Okay. He still was in the headlines. That's the thing is whether it's negative or positive press, he stayed in the headlines. He's still, he's still the, basically he's now like the face of the Warriors. We know that he won the finals MVP. He's basically, they're, they're, he's their guy that they needed to get over the hump as far as like, you know, they didn't beat the Cavs that year before. So he's the guy who pushed them over the top. And they're obviously this, this monster of a team now. So I, I definitely think he's still that that player uh Kawhi as far as like the 
He's going to play excellent. You know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be one of those top MVP candidates. But as far as like the public a- uh, aspect of it, he doesn't, he's not really out there. He's not engaged on Twitter, on social media. I don't think he even checks his Twitter. I, I haven't, I think he sent like two tweets in the entire time he's had it. Um, so he's not very engaging in that part. You know, the press conferences, he'll do this, the conferences in the back, but he doesn't do a lot of like the national type of press conferences. So he's not a guy who's, and he, you know, that he doesn't have to, you know, he's just showing, Hey, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to play, lead my team to an, to an excellent season. And that's enough for him. And he almost won MVP just by doing that. You know, so, some really, really um, smart. NBA writers did pick him for their, you know, they, they, they kind of look like the, um, you know, like the, um, not the majority because, you know, everybody picked Russell Westbrook because the stats thing, the whole triple double. But there were some guys that really, you know, analyzed basketball who picked Kawhi Leonard. They said, we're going to go with, with Kawhi because he's the best player. He plays both ends of the floor. So Kawhi would definitely get that recognition. I don't know from a fan's perspective, though, if he's going to jump those two guys, um, KD and LeBron. The other part of their question, though, Colin, was let's just say Kawhi doesn't get picked one or two. Who do you think? Where do you think he gets picked in that order of All-Stars? That's what they wanted to ask. Do you think he's the third guy? Do you think LeBron or KD pick him next? Or do you think that they, they go with their friends first? Maybe like, um, you know, KD picks Steph and Clay and Draymond or, you know, something like that. That's, or LeBron picks Kevin Love or, you know, or Wade. Or, oh, no, no, Wade will be an All-Star. You know, his friends, basically. So I, I kind of want to see this in action, like, before. I, I mean, it's a real interesting idea. Um, and to kind of backtrack just a little bit, I do think that that's part of it, is that when you're looking at who would be fun to be the captains, you know, with all of the stuff that's happened with Kevin Drain over the past year, like, just everyone is going to psychoanalyze every pick he makes. And same with LeBron, especially with all the drama. Like, I feel like the only other person that would be more entertaining as a captain would be Westbrook. Oh, yeah. uh, so I feel like in terms of entertainment, those are the three guys that you want doing it. Um, it's kind of tough. I, I wonder if they're going to value, like you said, maybe... Their teammates, the chemistry, if they're going to value position, like they just want to get the big first because, you know, maybe there's going to be smaller like pool of like centers and they want to grab, who knows. I do think that Kawhi is talented enough to be picked real early, but I, I do think that this is going to become a little bit of a show in a good way. I think it's going to be more entertaining for NBA fans. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's picked first. If he's the fifth pick, it has nothing to do with his talent, but it's going to be entertaining to see the reactions to that. Yeah, I mean, if they want to go like positionless, that's that's probably the best option. Is Kawhi? You throw in, you know a guy who's going to guard the best players, and obviously they're going to try. They're trying to. The league is trying to push this game to be a little bit more competitive. They're, all the money that gets, uh, they're going to think that the winning team has, they're going to donate to charity. So that so they're trying to make it a little bit more competitive than, than it's been in the past. So obviously, if LeBron or KD wants somebody to to you know play be their best defender, they're going to automatically go right for Kawhi. Um, and then you know to, talking about just like the whole like. Uh, you know, not choosing sides thing. Kawhi's a very safe candidate, honestly, because he doesn't have allegiances to anybody. He's not really, he, he's not known in the spotlight as being friends with anybody, you know, picking, picking a certain side. And so that's almost like a safe candidate to pick. Uh, if, if you're just one of those guys who doesn't want to get psychoanalyzed and get, you know, figure out, whoa, why did LeBron pick this guy? Kawhi's like, okay, like Kawhi's just Kawhi, you know? So it's almost like a safe pick. So that, that will be fun. It's going to be really cool February come time uh, for that. I do hope though, in the future though, that the league does take away the whole voting for conferences players. I think that's still going to mess up with the, with the Western conference. We're going to see a lot of snubs with guys who should be making their first appearance or guys are going to get left off because there's just, you know, there's just no talent out East. It's just, it's, it's crazy how many players have switched over the conference over the summer. Okay, third, thank you, Spurscast listeners, for listening to episode 464. Here are just a, a few quick reminders. Um, please continue sending your questions to hashtag Spurscast on Twitter. We will make sure we answer them on on the Spurscast next week on, on the next episode 465. Uh, make sure on Twitter, if you're on there, follow at Project Spurs. 
at AT League underscore NBA if you want to see all like the latest NBA rosters. Um, I wrote a piece about the Cleveland Cavaliers recently about how they, they're planning on starting Der- Derek Rose and Dwayne Wade and their spacing, which there's obviously not none with those two guys. Uh, follow at the Spurs cast on Twitter. Follow our new site that we're starting up at Project Spurs Network. That From there, you can access all of our other sites like our hockey, our um, our our soccer sites and things like that. Uh, visit projectspurs.com. Michael DeLeon did an amazing job with that new website uh, layout. It's super fast on your computer. It's super fast on your phone. It looks great. Um, visit analyzingtheleague.com. Uh, SpursOn6.com for the Austin Spurs. Uh, they'll be starting out their season here in a month now in, in November. And then please, uh, if you can, leave a rating and review on iTunes. So for Colin Reed, my name is Paul Garcia. Have a great day. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.